This is Gross Anatomy, where pop culture meets health culture. Let's get to it. Hello. Hey, how are you guys? Good, how are you? Fantastic, looking forward to this. Rob, you're very compliant. I, you, you listen to Allie while I don't. She asked me to, to wear the headphones and I, and I still have it. I think I tried one time and failed miserably or something. I, I'm gonna need Allie to come here and, and show me how to do it. I we're love gonna, it. We're gonna do an in-person headphone lesson. And really it's for Annie who edits, not for me. So shout out to Annie for caring about the quality of our sound shout out annie welcome everybody to gross anatomy welcome rob to gross anatomy welcome Allie to gross anatomy welcome me and welcome me without my headphones to gross anatomy <laughs> well you had a day can you tell us what you just did dr cohen you just had a long day of work i i i just finished the surgery which uh par for the course started late as always uh the, the problem with not starting first case of the day is you're kind of just at the mercy of the crazy schedule. So I did a robotic uh, hernia surgery, a robotic hernia surgery repair was the surgery that I just finished. You're amazing. Thank to you. Do that. I appreciate that. I want to give Rob's bio before I immediately ask you if you wore gales during your surgery. So <laughs> let me give that to everyone here listening. Let's intro Rob. Okay. Rob Gregg is the founder of Gales. Gales is the first footwear designed to disperse energy and reduce impact on the knees, back, and joints from long 12-hour-plus shifts and was founded to support essential workers who deserve better care, like you, Dr. Cohen. Thank you. Hi, Rob. Hey, you're hired. New sales team. Right? I'm serious. Let's talk. Awesome. <laughs> Tell us how we found you or you found us. Yeah. So it's pretty cool when we launched this um, with Nurses for Nurses. Uh, so much of it was built with and is continuing to build with our nursing community. And one of our customers uh, reached out and she became an ambassador, became a contractor, and she is now our chief nursing officer. Her name's Raquel Perez. She's a TEDx speaker. She's an amazing voice and human in the world. And her charge and role is connecting authentically within our community with amazing people with incredible stories where we can share ours and live and breathe in the same air. So I'm very fortunate for Raquel for connecting us and then having a chance to, uh, Dr. Cohen, listen through uh, some of your podcasts and how you show up in the world. I was really excited to be a part of this. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, fun fact, when we do robotic surgery, almost everybody takes off their shoes. We actually do it in our socks. So because we're a lot of the surgery is, is foot pedals and there are a whole bunch of different foot pedals that we have to use during surgery. So we want the tactile uh, being able to feel there's, there's at least five pedals that we, maybe even more that we use during that surgery. So I was, I was in my socks during the surgery. I actually was not wearing any sort of uh, shoes. I was wearing socks. Well, now I'm fascinated. I need to see that setup. Exactly. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear you were wearing socks, though. I would hate to picture a room of doctors <laughs> completely barefoot. Yeah, actually, I was wearing I was wearing fun socks that uh, that one of my students bought me. I don't even know. Oh, cool. Yeah, they're they're fun socks. So that's I'm so sweet. Socks, 
Did you pick them out specially for today or was it a happy coincidence? It was a happy coincidence. I love to hear it. Yeah. Uh, Rob, we're so amazed by this mission statement you have, but I'm also curious, how did you get to shoes and feet and all the things, joints and back that are connected to that? Sure. So it started with um, kind of a personal use case. I was working 16 hour days on my feet uh, in a mailroom of all places. And the dress code was a full suit and shoes and the shoes mailroom. Uh, CAA, talent okay. agency. Yeah. On, on the road to becoming an agent, eh? Yeah. I went from an assistant and had to convince my parents that going down to the mailroom was actually a promotion, which I'm still not convinced that they really <laughs> fully bought. But yeah, in that process, uh, just nothing was working. And so I put an image online, got a quarter million hits on this design found a cobbler who said he could make it and way over quoted me on on the price and so I cut him a deal and went in every Saturday for the next four months and became a hobbyist shoe cobbler helped around and built my own shoes and asked a lot of questions that to me were really obvious but for someone that is classically trained with generations passed down it's kind of like going to someone's house for dinner and saying this is great grandma's recipe and coming in changing it up um, not really super kosher, um, but I ended up doing that. And the first shoes that I made by asking questions and stripping out these unnecessary parts, they flexed and breathed and felt like socks on your feet while still looking like dress shoes. That's how I got started. Were you still working at CAA? I was. Yeah, my I was supposed to be reading scripts and doing coverage, even though I, I was never in the film uh, department. So somehow I still snuck it all in. How long was that process? Uh, making shoes, the first go around is about four months. And then what ended up happening, uh, I put, well, basically everywhere I walked in these shoes, people stopped and asked me, where can I get these shoes? And we'd go into a long story. And to make a long story short, I put a website up, no image, no branding, just name, shoe size, contact. And a year later, I had 330 people signed up for a wait list to buy a shoe that didn't exist for a brand that hadn't been created yet. Uh, and then from there, I figured how hard can it be to make a shoe line in the next 18 months after that? I answered that question resoundingly. It was incredibly difficult to get the first shoe brand off the ground. And, and that company still exists? It still exists. It's fully sold out. And with the remaining inventory, what I ended up doing um, when the pandemic hit, uh, had a personal run-in, someone close to our family who was ultimately saved by his care nurses from COVID. And I just started donating towards a nurse group here in the States called SANCL, Society of Nurse Scientists, Innovators, Entrepreneurs, and Leaders. They work with Johnson & Johnson, some other amazing leaders in healthcare. And the premise is, let's get people who live and breathe on the floor, who see and experience these problems, and come together to actually create real solutions. So I started as a donor. I then became a mentor. I'd previously scaled a business. We did a little bit over 5 billion in sales in four years, uh, and then decided to use my powers for good and started donating towards this group, got involved. And how Gales came to be really was an identification of a problem. Found that in the ER and ICU, they weren't wearing shoe covers. So anything that spilt off the table under their feet 
and I won't name all of the brands to be kind to competitors, but you can imagine. And it was getting straight to, to their skin. And if they had a cut, scrape, or blister on their foot, it's an easy pathway for infection in some cases. One of the witch nurses that we spoke to is HIV positive because fluid spilt off the table onto her shoes. And furthermore, it's being tracked home to their families. So shoes, they you go into the hospital, you sick, you cough, uh, you sneeze, hopefully you're not bleeding on the floor, but it happens. But those shoes don't get wiped, don't get cleaned, and they come home straight home to families. And so after hearing enough of these stories and cases, someone kind of looked at me and go, well, you do shoes, right? What can you come up with? Uh, and it just kicked off on a whole new journey and life path from there. I, I wow. definitely, I know, Ali, you have a million questions, but but uh, the, the whole, one of the whole reasons we started this podcast is because I'm a huge movie, TV, pop, uh, I'm, I'm going nowhere with this, but automatically when you said cobbler, mm-hmm. I thought of a musical and I wonder if either of you know what musical I'm talking about. Just totally, and I'm dating myself too. I mean, it's old, you know, the guy's dead, you know, the guy who was in it, but do either of you have any idea what I'm talking about? I'm gonna have to Anne's tell Christian you now. Anderson. Anne's Christian Anderson. I'd have oh. to phone a friend for this yeah. one, I think. Have you guys ever seen that, Hans Christian Anderson? No, I haven't. familiar with Hans Christian Anderson. It's such a great musical, but uh, Danny Kay, he was a cobbler. Sorry, yep. let's get back on track, but I, I couldn't help but think about Hans Christian Anderson. I love that. And actually, since you're a movie buff, there's a movie called Coco. It's animated and he comes from a family of shoe cobblers but wants to be a musician. Right. That's oh, right. right. And yeah. I didn't even know cobbler, like I'm learning today. I didn't know cobbler was the official name for a shoemaker. I'm guessing I always just thought it was a shoemaker, but that's we'll, now feeling pretty dated. We'll take both. <laughs> okay, perfect. And then there's also a peach cobbler while we're at it. That's where that's my true. brain's been. If we're talking about where our brain has been, the second you said cobbler, I was on to dessert. So I'm glad we're all being honest. <laughs> I, I know, uh, Rob, I know that you... I saw this on your bio and I stalked you a little bit that your previous shoe company wasn't as functional. It was more of, it, it said Italian shoe wear. Did that start from like your work setting and wanting a comfortable shoe that was also stylish? And then you're doing that, it seems now, but just in a different field, different, yeah. different work shoe. Yeah. So that the premise behind that is I was required to wear something that looked nice, but gosh, wouldn't it be great if it was functional as well? Um, mm-hmm. And so we call it a luxury performance shoe. It looks like a dress shoe, but feels more like socks on your feet. So it just came from a, I'm forced to wear these shoes that aren't great. There's got to be a better way. And because I couldn't find it, I decided to develop it. That's awesome. And I must admit my feet were killing me at work today. So I need to find the right shoe. That's helpful. I might know a guy for you. I bet you do. <laughs> what about those? What about the, I, I want to talk about your shoes too, but yeah. you ever see people in those like webbed shoe things with their toes sticking out too? Yep. Like the Vibram. I don't know what it's called, but have you ever worn those? Have you ever tried those on? I've, I've tried to walk a mile in everyone's shoes, so to speak. Um, the Vibram toe shoes. Not particularly for me. Um, I think the challenge is feet come in so many shapes and sizes. And then when you get to toes on top of that, it makes it really, really, really difficult to make a shoe that fits comfortably for all different toe lengths and foot sizes. That's a great point that I never thought about when I saw 
people wearing those. I know recently that and my TikTok's got all the interesting health trends that toe separators have been coming up for me that we are cramping our feet all day and that we need to be spreading our toes after. So maybe the Vibram is for people who are on that trend. I'll take it. <laughs> that must be what's happening there. Dr. Cohen, you should get some for your special surgery days. Toe separators? Yeah, toe separators. Okay. All right. <laughs> Report yeah, all, back. All, all five pedals at once. Exactly. And there you go. Were you always a, a shoe person, at least fashion-wise, even before it was your job? Uh, I really wasn't. I'd be ashamed if I had any photos that remain of what my closet used to look like before I entered into the working world. I grew up in California. It's always outdoors, swimming, surfing, sailing. So a lot of flip-flops and baggy t-shirts and cleaned everything up with suits. Um, still couldn't find suits I like. So I originally got into custom suit making. And then the natural last frontier that it didn't seem like there was really anybody touching with shoes. So I just kind of fell into it from there. And then eventually I found my way to New York where I did a lot with GQ and a lot in the fashion space. And it was really unique because usually as a guy, you're pretty limited on your options. But when you add in layers and customizations, there's really a lot that you can play around with it. And especially showing up into environments, being able to have a really nice, crisp, sharp shoot, it changes your energy, it changes the atmosphere. And so I had a, a lot of fun in the fashion space while I was out in New York. That's awesome. I didn't even know you did that, that you've been designing, it sounds like, at least softly your whole life. Because designing Look, suits, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, it was fun. How long have you been doing this? How long has it been since your CAA days? Oh gosh, uh, it's about 10 years now. So that first shoe business uh, was more or less running as a passion project on the side. And ironically, uh, I did not realize that I had a personal family history with it until about two and a half years into the journey. Oh wow. Turns out, turns out my great grandpa was a shoe salesman for Walkover Shoes and lived in Shanghai. And when the war broke out, he lost everything, including his daughter, my grandma, who escaped with her uh, soon-to-be husband. But at the time, when they got to the harbor, he got held back. Uh, he couldn't make it through, didn't have the right paperwork. And so what ended up happening is he took off his family ring. He gave it to my grandma as a promise on New Year's Eve, 1940. And they were separated, but wrote each other letters. So we have all the original letters, they're numbered, they're dated. Godfrey Darling, here goes, I miss you so much already. Long and short, a year later, he makes it out. He's on a boat. She's in San Fran, went to Stanford. And uh, right before his boat arrived in California, his last fuel stop was in Hawaii. And if you know why Hawaii is significant with the war, history lesson number two, um, it was the attack on Pearl Harbor. So she's listening to the radio, hearing his boat to the bottom of the ocean. Meanwhile, they broke the flag off the back, repainted the whole ship, skated under the radar. So he shows up on her doorstep, Christmas Day, 1942, proposes on the spot, gets his ring back, goes on to enlist to become the medical commander for the Allied forces and served in Okinawa for another 32 months. So that brand that I ended up building, the name is all the men in my family's names put together. And the slogan is courage is everything because there used to be a time when people put their head down, did the hard work and took that extra step when it counted. And so I really love that about our 
family history and fast forward to today and now what's really drawn me towards the healthcare community is I just see so much of what my my story about my grandpa is in this um, community of people who work thankless hours and I'm sure as well you're showing up to do a podcast after going through a surgery um, but it was just an audience in a community that I gravitated towards of putting their head down, doing amazing work for the right reasons to better uh, the individuals that they're caring for. And I thought, wouldn't it be pretty cool to be able to do just a little bit of my part to say thank you and provide something back for them? You, you have me crying. Uh, that, that's such a I love that story. Have you written the movie yet? It'll come full, full circle a little bit with your CAA days, I think. Totally. It will be it will be called the promise ring. <laughs> that's, oh. all I, that, that's all I've got. So anybody still over there or some of my friends I catch up with, open opportunity. Yeah, wow. wow. That, that's definitely a movie though. Have you thought about trying to write it? Uh, you know, it surprisingly or not surprisingly, it takes quite a bit of energy to get a business off the ground. So we'll see uh, where this takes us. Uh, but someday when I've got a little bit extra free time, I think that'd be really fun. Well, you're still working in the mailroom, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> he's a designer. He's an entrepreneur. He's writing scripts. He's in the mailroom. Yeah. <laughs> Busy guy. Also, I wanted to know how your friend is doing. I know you mentioned that sort of your mission statement was that you were so inspired by the nurses who are helping your friends over COVID. Any update? Yeah. I'm sure yeah. by now, but for us yeah. who were on hook for that. <laughs> Thankfully, fully recovered. Um, and really where my focus shifted to was the care provided by his nurses, because I can't imagine they made a decision to try a new type of ventilator that hadn't been tested. And that's someone's life that you have in your hands. And to be able to make a decision with confidence that had a positive outcome, that's a really powerful and heavy thing. And so just expressing so much gratitude for them deciding to do the hard work and make a difficult decision that had a life-changing outcome. And that's really what drew me in in the first place to this community to see what can I do to help. And was that your first experience in the medical setting for an extended period of time or seeing that up close? It's not, but I was a lot younger when my grandma was in the hospital. I'm not a particularly religious person, but I believe in the power of belief. And my grandma, she got a, a, a date when she was supposed to have been done, and she pushed well past that. Um, and so much was both the care provided, but just this undeniable will to enjoy life just a little bit longer. And actually, both of my grandmas have very similar hospital experiences. But um, having spent some extended time and extended stays, I really recognize the value of every single human being that is there um, with a lot of appreciation, gratitude, and thanks. That's amazing. Is that the same grandma from the story, or that's a different grandma? So the first grandma uh, was my dad's mom, and she's from that story. And my other grandma, she was 94 years old. She was my absolute favorite human being on the planet. Um, I used to say that she was my number one favorite, but I'm actually getting married in like a little bit over 30 days. Um, and she's definitely taken that spot, but my grandma still holds a near and dear place in my heart. Yeah. You got to be careful about that. You can't get into <laughs> trouble now. 
That's exactly right. I, you'll, you, you'll learn that the hard way, I think. <laughs> Hopefully the easy way. Yeah. The or easy way. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations. And are you from LA and is your partner also from LA? Because you said, I heard you mentioned surfing. Yeah, so I'm from Northern California okay. and a bit, a bit of a nomad. I spent some time in Colorado, in LA, in New York, in London, uh, moved down to San Diego where I met her. So she's from uh, Southern California, but had an office down in San Diego. We met, she was still doing a pretty long commute, about a three and a half hour drive each way. And uh, we just had this the most amazing connection and conversations and stories and we like kind of the same nerdy things, like putting together a thousand piece puzzle on a weekend for fun. And the rest is history. Dr. Cohen, any any married man tips for him before he gets hitched in 30 days? You know, it's, it, everybody knows it. You know, it's, it's the tried and true thing. I don't even have to say it because you know what it is, right? Happy wife, happy life. You know, that's, that's, that's the bottom line. Fully subscribe. Yeah. Exactly. You know what? I do have one real piece of advice, though, I just thought of. Yeah. Always, you know, your wife may complain or your future wife may complain about her family. Mm. Always, to some degree, take the side of her family. Not mm -hmm. fully, but but don't don't trash talk her family with her mm -hmm. because she's allowed to trash talk her family because they're her, you know, blood. If you start doing that, it'll sour how when she makes up with them, she'll be like, ah, he doesn't like my family. So don't trash talk her family, even if she's like, even if they did something wrong, always try to find the good, you know, don't, you know, always be like, yeah, but he loves you so much, you know, her brother or whatever it is, you know, always find the good. It'll pay off in the future. That is great advice, and I feel like I'm cheating because I genuinely love her family and everyone in it. Yeah, uh, but that is excellent advice. Yeah, because they'll get into fights. So even in the fights, make sure that you empathize with her, but but show her the positive in in the other side. That's that's my dating advice to to my kids to to whomever to you too, I Allie. Yeah, I was I gonna say it. I'm taking note. And you should share this. It might be your next TikTok or your next reel or something. The people yeah. need the people need to hear it. It might be my next mentoring Monday idea. I think I should let Mariano know. You're right. Yes. And then I'm what if vote for that as well? Yeah. Um, what about your family dynamic? So it sounds like you have like a strong family of leaders. Is that right? Are you guys all well, since you they migrated over, are you guys all California based and tight knit over here? Yeah. Um, so my sister left for college up in Washington, and then ended up moving to Southern California to be close to uh, her husband, who she met in college's family. I kind of was all over the world, but as soon as my sister had her first kid, Grace, uh, I found myself pretty much every month flying back coast to coast to spend time with her. And then in the COVID era, my family, we thought they were at their forever home um, and sold their house up north to build from scratch and live about 15 minutes from my sister. Um, and it just was such a positive. Um, they're in LA? Uh, they're in Rancho Mission Viejo and Rancho Santa Margarita. Um, so about hour and a half south. And every night after that, my phone, when I'd catch up with them, 
when are you going to move home? When are you going to move back? When are you going to come back to California? Uh, and so I took the opportunity to move close enough. And then we've gotten even closer. We're currently up in Malibu and it's just family more than anything else for me personally. It's like, that's number one. And even as an entrepreneur, my goal number one is not what you would think, or maybe you would, hopefully you would, but my actual goal is to be a dad and to be able to, to build something that gives me an opportunity to be a great dad and a great partner and husband and family member to everybody in the family as well. That's so sweet. What a lucky whole family you have, but especially your soon to be wife. That's beautiful. I want to talk more about your company a little bit, but I yeah. have to tell a funny story. You know, you said your, your goal is to be a dad, Ali. I don't know if I told you this story. Also, I kind of always wanted to be, well, once I got married and had kids, I can't, couldn't wait, still can't wait to be a grandparent. Like that's kind of been the thing for me is to be a grandparent. As soon as I had young kids, that's all I wanted was grandkids. So I used to say to my kids all the time, I have three daughters. And the reason I owe Allie is Allie and my eldest are buds from college. My eldest, Liat, shout out to Liat. And there you go. So, but I used to say to them all the time, girls, I don't care if you marry. I don't care if you marry a boy. I don't care if you marry a girl. I don't care if you don't get married. All I care about is that you give me grandkids. I used to say that to them all the time. And my middle daughter, who's now 19, Hannah, one night as we're putting the kids to sleep, I hadn't said that in the longest time. Like it had been probably months since I said anything like that. But Hannah, who was probably maybe anywhere five, six, seven, who, is, who still is this very thoughtful kid. We're putting them to sleep. She's under her blanket. She looks up at me in, in bed and goes to me, Dad, would it be okay if I just adopted? And after that, I never again said anything because she must have been freaked out and scared and panicked about childbirth and having kids. That was the last time. I mean, it was the cutest thing I cracked up. And Aww. I said, sure, you know, that's fine. <laughs> But I never again said that to my kids because I realized how much it must have been stressing her out that she's got to give me grandkids. So I don't know. That's my funny, silly story. That's so well, I would sweet. Say that, that's a great dad story. That is a great dad story. You guys have a similar energy. And also, it's so rare to hear men talk about how much they want to be grandparents and fathers. And it also sounds like swinging back to our topic. It also sounds like you always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I've heard like three business ideas already <laughs> that you've started and absolutely run with. Were there more before that, even in childhood? Plenty. Yeah. started when I was 11. Um, I really wanted to figure out how to save up and build my own finances. And I started with just kind of the, the basics, walking dogs and watering plants. And I realized pretty quick you're kind of beholden to how fast the water comes out in one hose and that really limits your ability to scale. So I popped over to Home Depot and got a timer with a hose splitter and I'd ride my bike with multiples. So I get a house done in the third or fourth or fifth the time and wow. set them, go to the next, set them, go to the next. Um, so that's kind of where it started. And then this little thing called the internet came out and I had saved up a thousand dollars, which at that time as a kid was just, an I could buy so many ice cream cones that, <laughs> and I decided to pick this, um, kind of unknown startup called Yahoo. And I put 
my thousand dollars in there. And the lesson that I was supposed to learn uh, was not the one that I did because we opened up Wall Street and it had doubled in price. And dad's got, I'm meaning to teach you that it's going to go up a little bit, down a little bit. And it just kept going up and up and then splitting. And so I had a very positive experience learning about that. Uh, and then kind of from there, I think the next piece, I was a swim coach um, for kids ages uh, six to 18. And why that's a meaningful part of my journey. So we sucked. We were the worst team in the league. We'd never won anything in something like 74 years. And me and my sister came in as swim coaches and we got to spend a lot of time working with the kids. There's a lot with analogies that we learned was helpful in coaching. Well, by the end of our time with them, we went undefeated in the individual meets, undefeated in the relay meet and undefeated in the championship meet, which was cool. But the coolest part about it was to see the spark in these kids' eyes, knowing that they had actually done something to earn it. It wasn't handed to them. They worked hard for it and they got to see the end result. And I noticed, cause I got to watch these kids grow up and the personality traits that they grew into. And it was just so inspiring to see and to watch. And so I realized that what I love doing is building, um, whether it's building people, building companies, building businesses. And I got an incredible amount of joy in that. So I think kind of since then, I've always had this itch to scratch of, can I take something that sucks or take something that needs fixing? And I think probably to sum it up, this is actually someone else's words that they kindly shared with me. They go, Rob, you don't just fix problems. You turn problems into greatness. And that stuck with me of how can I not just be the duct tape on a leaky pipe? How can I create a better system of pipes? And so... That's just my perpetual curiosity and the place that I'm most comfortable in is uncertainty and chaos. And how can we make this better? That's yeah, that is, I was going to call you a designer, an entrepreneur, a builder is so on point. That's such a, so well put. How would you motivate the kids? Did, did you have a certain thing that you? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting as adults, we don't really get spoken to like a child because it can come across as condescending, um, but we're visual learners that before we know our own grasp of language, we learn by seeing. And so I'll give you an example. I don't know uh, how much you are familiar with swimming or if you are a swimmer, but breaststroke, for example, it's kind of like the frog stroke. Well, when you're a little kid, technique makes such a huge impact um, on how fast you go through the water. And so visually I would go, okay, well for breaststroke, you start out here, show me with your hands, how big of a bowl of ice cream do you want? You want this much, this much, and they go this much, you know, great. So put your hands out here. And then if you got all this ice cream, what do you want to do? And they go eat it. So where does it go? And it comes up to your mouth. So it's the first part of the stroke. And then let your ice cream's way out the other end. So where do you want to go to get more? We want to go out and jump for it. So I kind of gave them a very simple exercise on how to change their strokes. And so there's only so much that you can do from a mental motivation standpoint, which we also did a lot of. But by changing that technique where kids were just kind of flailing in water, they were doing something that was leading towards their propulsion and having that technique significantly accelerated them through the water. And then what was really cool after that 
uh, we had three kids and we called them the silver bullets. Uh, so we got them silver caps and we built up this whole story about, uh, you know, them in the water. And we came up with this thing called dolphin grease. Uh, this grease came from these dolphins who came all the way over the sea and they saved us when we were lost at sea and we're spraying their superpowers on them. And so we kind of built this narrative around them as superhumans uh, with superpowers. And I could just see, even if they had a bad heat or a bad race, they still had that mentality in and they were able to pick themselves up and show up. And because of them, it's a team sport with team points and that collective mentality um, led us to a position where everybody uh, of kind of all ages and, and skill sets got to rejoice and celebrate this firstness of accomplishment. Wow, that's great. I want to also touch quickly back on Gales, and I yeah. want to hear. I also want to hear Dr. Cohen's take on his. Um, we want to know what he's wearing at work. Let's get back to Gales in terms of where do you get the name Gales? Yes, thank you, Dr. Cohen. <laughs> yeah, um, Gales is named after Florence Nightingale, the founder oh, of modern nursing. That's very um, sweetie. Yeah, and so the product—it's really a product of need and of community. Um, it started with just surveys. I said, what do you wear? Uh, tell me about it. What do you like? What do you not like? Open-ended, what do you wish existed that doesn't? So gathered an incredible amount of data. It, what united everyone was pain and discomfort. Um, discomfort with the price, discomfort with the comfort, um, pain in things that were happening to their shoes that with no solutions. Um, iodine on a white shoe, it's not coming out. And that shoe doesn't feel great to walk around in a stained shoe. And so what we ended up doing was crowdsource developing and designing. This guy is our first one. There it um, is. And things like take the laces off. I don't want to reach down or if I've got, I've scrubbed in, I don't want to go down and touch my shoes that potentially have something on them. So we started with this and a really interesting happy accident in the lab, so to speak, occurred around this notion of comfort. So we were hearing the really comfortable, really comfortable, like walking on clouds, which you say, sure, but a lot of shoe companies are. And they go, it really clicked when they said, well, they're comfortable for a 12-hour shift. And I go, tell me about that. And they go, well, I'm used to wearing this brand or this brand, and they're great for a couple of hours, but then at the end of the day, my body's still killing me. And candidly, we didn't have an answer as to why our shoes were a positive solution. So we sent them out. It's a company called Helux that tests all the major footwear brands. Mm -hmm. And this chart came back that was puzzling to us at first. So all the competitors in the running shoe space ended up at this end of this high energy return chart. All the energy that goes into it shoots right back up. You run faster, you jump higher. Our shoes were way, way, way out to the left. And we go, well, shoot, did we just completely miss the mark on this, what's the story here? And they go, well, you're not gonna win any marathons in these shoes, but what your shoes do is the opposite of the way that the mentality is around footwear today. Footwear today stores energy, puts it back. These shoes take energy and disperse it. So when you step down, instead of that reverse effect going back up into your knees, back and joints, which you don't feel off one step, you feel after a whole day of steps, so our shoes acting the opposite, dissipating energy was this aha moment that we had. And we've got uh, 
pro line that we launched was our second iteration we've done some fun things like alex's lemonade stand um it, they have a beautiful amazing story about a young girl who stood up to cancer and they're one of the largest benefactors into children's cancer research now so a lot of our shoes we do with charitable components and give backs but this pro line was born out of well what if i'm not in the er and ico what if I want wide widths? What if I want more breathability? What if I'm a bartender or a chef? Do these work for me too? And so without spoiling it, we've got some new designs uh, and some new areas with the footwear that we're taking as our 3.0 that will be launching at some point next year. But we're really, really excited for this, what has now evolved to be our, our single biggest core identity is you've got running shoes for running, hiking shoes for hiking, this is a standing shoe for standing for everybody else, the half the world's population that stands upright for a living. That's so well put. I, I'm dying to see the chef shoe as well, because I've been working in hospitality for a really long time. So that's interesting to me. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. The, the original premise, though, was was something that that cleans easily, right? That that's Was that the original premise? Yeah, so how it started was around this antimicrobial concept. How do we prevent fluid from getting from the table into contact with skin? And what our solution ended up being is injection molding. Uh, so we take pellets um, that are fully antimicrobial, closed cell, and injection mold it into the product. So the desire to be antimicrobial, which we actually just published a study, um, is done by epidemiologist Victor Lang, and we tested our shoes in a hospital setting, and every single major footwear brand, except for Gales, that was tested with strikethrough of germs getting onto shoes and going through, every single other brand had strikethrough except for Gales. And definitively, any healthcare setting, Gales have proven to be the only shoe that prevents definitively bacteria and disease from fluids and airborne from getting in through. Uh, the upper part is what they call it of the shoe. So it really started there. And this by miracle compound that we use, it's antimicrobial. It happens to be really cushiony and really light. And because we made the full shoe out of this material, the problem with using just a little bit of it, you still have laces, you still have stitching, you still have seams, you have cracks and crevices. So I said, let's get rid of all of that into an injection molded product. And then just again, by call it luck, uh, the shoe, we found this new property with the material where it's just really, really good if you're standing all day on your feet. So that material is what makes the energy disperse rather than release and come back. Exactly. That's so interesting. You, that's wild that you didn't even know you were gonna strike that. And you held up a shoe that had holes though on the side, so what, yeah. So if you remember in high school biology or chemistry with the beakers and the parabola that forms. So what we've done is effectively created a mechanism that builds um, surface tension. So from the tops, they're completely invisible, but anything that comes down and splashes on it, it's a pretty deep canal that fluid needs to get through. But because of these little lips, the fluid has, unless you've got a power hose and you're spraying it in the side, which just doesn't happen in these environments, it's still gonna provide that same level of protection from fluids. So they all beat off on the outside. And I'm so tempted to show it, but nobody's seen it yet. So maybe we'll do a part two, but we came up with, I think a pretty revolutionary approach that's 
to me, really visually, aesthetically pleasing um, that accomplishes the same thing, but even a higher level of breathability while preventing fluids from coming into contact with your skin. We'll have to stop the recording and make you show us at the end because <laughs> now I'm dying to know. <laughs> but that's that. amazing. Yeah, or part two. We'd love to have you back. Uh, where can someone find Gales? I'm guessing online or social media. I'm probably going to get a targeted ad now that we've talked. Yep. Uh, we're at wearegales.com, just W-E-A-R-G-A-L-E-S.com. It's the same on all of our social handles as well. Amazing. And then we always wrap up, unless Dr. Cohen has more questions for you. You have more questions. Okay. I'm not ready to wrap up yet. I have a few questions. One, I saw you guys also do socks. So yes, you have any special story about the socks or is it just like, we got shoes, let's do socks? Um, so we partnered with a brand called Comrade. Um, our thought is we do shoes, let's do shoes. We're not a sock company. So let's find whoever creates really amazing socks and collaborate. And we had gone back to our community and done a lot of surveys and we kept hearing the name Comrade come up. So our thought is, well, it's kind of like an economics where you've got barley or beer and you can either make all the beer or all the barley and you lose a lot, but through trade, you can increase. So our thought is let's get the best sock makers that the communities have identified. We'll continue to be the best shoemakers uh, and continue to improve. And through this collaboration, we can access um, the same communities and provide the benefit because their customers were asking, well, what about socks? They said, well, we found these guys. You seem to like them too. So let's allow that the opportunity to add that to cart as you're buying your shoes as well. I, I have another shoe question for you because you're a shoe guy, basically, yeah. not just, not just Gales. And I'm curious to Ali's thoughts about it also is I I've seen it a little bit with sneakers, but it always, intrigues me that why do we feel the need as people to have our two shoes always be the same what mm. why the, color i mean color like why why can't one shoe be blue and another be red or why do we always feel like we have to wear the same two color shoe uh the same you know same color shoe i yeah. see it, i've started to see a little, little bit in sneakers but what, what are your thoughts on that, especially since you're a shoe guy, you know? I think my response is, well, shoot, why not? Why not try a couple of different colors? So, I mean, I could see these coming together pretty well. I think I might have to, if you don't already have them, get you a couple pairs and we'll try it out. I have some thoughts as well. I think what are the your thoughts, Allie? Yeah, I want to know. Well, first I think of the weird, not weird, but the kid in middle school or high school who probably wore two different color converse you know and that was cool because it was different so you might have been that kid because it sounds like that's your brain why not let's just you guys are mismatching your shoes over here and then my other thought is just from my psychology 101 class where we learned that symmetry is attractive usually in faces or features but maybe there's just something about the symmetry of the matching on two sides shoes. Cause I'm sure there are designers who have done that. There's no way I have, I have a pair of shoes that's two tone black on the left, white on the right. And it's both shoes. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the designer with both those halves could have made one white shoe and one black shoe, mm -hmm. but for some reason it's way more satisfying to have that two tone shoe on both feet. So it must be something. Do you want the really boring business answer? Yes. 
So here's the boring business answer. People get really excited about the idea of customization and they always end up buying chocolate and vanilla. Um, it's just kind of the way the world works. And so from a brand perspective, you want to think and the customers want to think that they'll take the risk, but usually they just buy chocolate and vanilla. And so it's really difficult from a manufacturing, a shipping perspective to have the mismatches, especially if you don't know what flavor people are going to pick that day. So it's, it's difficult to get a footwear company off the ground with all of its um, challenges and logistics and setup. So the boring answer is not a lot of people end up opting for that. And so it's uh, a much cleaner approach for a business to make sure we always have the chocolate and vanillas in stock. That's why there's a lot of sameness. That being said, I love this concept of mix and match. And I will say, I heard it here. If that becomes a thing, Thank I will you. be loud and clear about, I know who came up with that. It's Dr. Cohen. I got to give credit where credit is due. Oh, I have a question though. Are you the one who... I, I kind of know the answer a little bit. How do you choose the styles and the color, the colors better yet, since aren't you colorblind? I am colorblind. Uh, very astute background research. Plot uh, twist at the end. I had no uh -huh. clue. So we do a March Madness bracket on our social media, and we pick colors, and we pit them against each other for the community to vote, and we end up seeing what they pick. Uh, and that's why we've got some pretty fun colors that I would have never leaned towards, like a shocking orange. And we've got a, actually a collaboration with Nurse Blake. He put together this amazing teal and pink and black and pink that uh, really catches your eye. And what we found that the communities love so much is shoes are usually the only part, especially with nurses, where you're allowed to express yourself because the rest of the uniform is just that. It's uniform. And so rather than concoct some new Pantone colors, I just ask, what do you guys want? And we'll build it. That cool. makes and, and, total any sense. Color, any color requests? I don't know. You know, I, I remember, I, I don't know if I talked about this. I did my training back in New York. And one of the hospitals we went to was the Brooklyn Vet, Vet uh, VA Hospital. Mm -hmm. And they had these scrubs that were... They must have been deliberately designed so that no one would steal them. They were half green and half blue. And then the neck, you know, the lining around the neck was like a bright orange or a bright yellow, depending on the size. And they were so ridiculous, but they were amazingly more comfortable than many other scrubs I've had. And they were just so darn cool that, yeah. you know, everybody stole them. And I used to have a ton of pairs of those scrubs. I wish I still had those, but I, I, I don't know. They, they were so cool, like a cool blue, a cool green, and it was just so cool. And or and orange, which was the, those were my favorite scrubs. I wish I still had them. I don't know. You know, hearing that, I used to do a lot with GQ, and I'm gonna see if I can dig up my old contacts because if they haven't, they are really missing out on Doctor Fashion, and I feel like <laughs> you would be an amazing article to cover in that regards. I don't know. What about ski boots? Are you thinking of getting into ski boots? Ah. That's the lining. There's the boot. That's wow. All you okay. Brief. Don't worry. We won't use the. We won't <laughs> use that part of the video. 
That's right. amazing. Yeah. Dr. Cohen, you're onto something. You're on his wavelength now. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are like <gasps> simpatico. Okay. We've taken all your time that we promised we'd take. So I want to know how we usually wrap is what you're watching right now or consuming, whether that's reading, radio, podcast, whatever, TV. Or yeah. I want to add one other thing. I want to know like a favorite movie of yours because I'm I'm curious or, or a movie or a motivational movie because when you were talking Ooh. a certain movie popped into my head also that I want to know if if you loved and whatever so answer answer Ali's question but then I want to see if if you could read my mind about what movie it is. Oh okay, and, I mean I have so many inspirational movies. We used to watch Chariots of Fire back in the day was an incredible one yes um i would say favorite movie and inspirational movie are definitely two different ones and what i'm reading watching listening to now i could give you the boring answer of all the entrepreneurial things but the fun one uh and this is kind of my guilty pleasure we discovered the show netflix algorithm got it right uh, here's something that you should watch that we never normally would have it's called One Piece, and it's based on an animation or cartoon, and it's these kids' pirates, which it sounds so ridiculous, and that's why I love it, because it is. I feel like a lot of my day has process and routine and structure, and we kind of forget that when we're kids, we're so imaginative, and we've... I came up... I have a whole book that my, I'm sure my mom's going to roast me with someday of all the inventions I came up with. But just having the space to get to be a kid as an adult with just a little 30 minutes or hour. And so I, I'm really enjoying it for the sheer reason that it creates imagination and creativity um, and really recharges my energy to get to put back into the business. Favorite movie. Pirates, right? They're pirates. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Is it about Yeah, they're pirates. pirates. Yeah. That, that's but such a... That's a great analysis of why you're enjoying it. Also, it just sounds fun. It looks like it's manga, right? Yeah. Um, and it's pretty inspirational as well. And it's a lot about finding people with differences and coming together. And just the, the main hero, you just want to root for him. He's just got this resounding positivity. And even when it seems like everything's kind of in the dumps, he's just there and keeps pushing through. Um, it's pretty fun favorite movie i have a few but the thing that came to my mind first was meet joe black that's it, so funny yeah why do you say that well i recently watched it with one of my kids but but that, that's not what popped into my head but i recently had my kids watch it yeah because um, i wanted them to see a young hot brad pitt actually <laughs> There's a quote. And what's her name is gorgeous in it too. Both of them. They're just so beautiful. Yeah. And there's particularly, I like it because of a quote when they're in the helicopter and it's along the lines of, I want you to dance like a dervish and sing with rapture. And it's just stay open. Who knows lightning can strike and to find that magnetic magnetism and electricity in your relationships. I just, it's amazing. So I pull from that. Uh, that is a great quote. Anthony Hopkins. That's Anthony Hopkins. Yes. Says it yeah. Too. Yeah. That was great. Have you seen it, Allie, that movie? No, I just looked it up and it doesn't even look familiar to me. Yeah. Well, actually, the cover does. 
and obviously the actors, but it's not bringing back. Usually I'll have like a nineties flashback. I don't. Yeah. But, but the two of them are just so beautiful, right? They're just so mesmerizing to watch. Yep. Yep. And then, um, I'll go with one that I can almost guarantee you haven't seen. It's called Goal, The Dream Begins. Uh, it might be an Apple TV exclusive. Um, it was one of those when the Apple store came up and I had the iPod that you could put stuff on. It's just a handful to pick from and I picked it. It's phenomenal. It's a, a kid that's come with no means and finds his path into sports and, and goes through a lot of these hardships and just comes through with an incredible sense of appreciation for family, um, leadership and inspiration. And I have a very hard time watching it and not feeling something. So I absolutely love that. I haven't seen it in a long time. David Beckham's in it. Yep. He is. Wow. It's giving me bend it like Beckham. That was, I had a moment with that movie over and over again probably around the same time it was great now dr Cohn, i'm curious what's the movie that came to your mind i I, it's way more you know simple but it it was just you know a motivational movie that i think was great was uh remember the titans yes and for some reason that popped into my head when you were telling me about your coaching the kids was was remember the titans i love that movie yeah so good yeah yeah. And then, Dr. Cohen, are you watching or listening to anything new this week? I'm slowly reading uh, The Tennis Partner. Did I mention that yet? Oh, I think you did. Yeah. Or if you didn't, I've heard of it. It's a, it's about a surgeon, and I, and I think it's a true story. It is a true story. It's about a surgeon, uh, not a surgeon, sorry, a medical doctor who is a huge tennis enthusiast who befriends a medical student who had been pro, just almost made it as a pro, but not quite. Mm-hmm. And their friendship um, with tennis, and it, it's a pretty, it's really good. It's really good. I recommend it. The Tennis Partner. Have you read When Breath Becomes Air? Yeah. Yeah. I Was it that like book. that in any way, shape, or form? Well, it is in that I think it doesn't end happy. Okay. But, um, but this is more of a, it's it's really just a moving story, you know, about cool. this friendship. I love that. I'll yeah. add that to my reading list. Yeah. Yeah. That book was a tearjerker. That one, yeah. I read that in college and I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> I was zero prepared for what was coming with that book. Oh, yeah. uh, I just started listening to Spare, Prince Harry's book, which I didn't expect for myself. And I've never oh. really cared before. But I just wanted to listen to something different. I'm kind of taking a break with podcasts. I was getting so many every day. And I was like, I I think I need to listen to a book or something a little longer term, you know, than an episode. So in the mornings now, I've been listening to Spare. And it is interesting. He's kind of funny, which is a little surprising and also not that surprising. Is he the one narrating it? Yes, he is, which is always, I won't listen to an audible unless it's the author narrating. That's a rule. Wow. Otherwise, I don't care. (laughs) Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been so cool to learn about Gales and then also your background. And I can't wait to see the new designs part two and congrats on your nuptials. Thank you so much. Awesome. 30 days away. eh? Yeah, we're getting pretty close. Wow. Congrats. That's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Have a great night. You as well. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. 
As a reminder, gross anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.